This episode is brought to you by Puma Running. I'm really after a new race day shoe. Can you tell me a bit more about the Puma Fast R2? The Puma Fast R2 are my favorite race day shoe. Now I ran in these for Chicago Marathon and I definitely think they helped me on my way to a four minute PB where I ran 2.23 just because they save your legs so much, which is obviously very helpful for marathon running. What do you think makes them so special? Two things I think really make the difference. Firstly, this carbon plate that you can see extends right beyond the forefoot. That just gives you an extra spring on each step, really propels you forward. Secondly, the nitro foam. This is nitrogen infused foam, which gives you maximum cushioning and maximum energy return. So that means you are more efficient each stride and can essentially run faster for longer. Okay, I'm sold. Well, I have great news for our 5 Miles Easy UK listeners. We have a very special discount code for Puma Running. Enter 5ME20 at Puma Running to get 20% off. Affect running performance with the footwear through the running economy, right? So it is the, the footwear is absolutely directly affecting performance. If you're putting a bunch of force in the ground and you're able to get in the, the in this shoe's case, 93% of that energy that you're putting in back, like think that's about huge. all the all the energy. That's only seven percent energy lost. We're if we're saving more energy, if we're recovering better in carbon shoes, yeah. should we wear them all the time? If you could design <laughs> the fastest shoe ever, what would it look like? That's a very good question. Welcome back to Five Miles Easy, and today we're talking all about running shoes. There are so many options on the market now, whether you want shoes for easy days, tempo days, race day, stability trainers, neutral trainers, and that's before we even get into all the brands out there. But a couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to delve into the world of shoe science at Puma HQ in Boston, which is where their innovation team sit and they do all their lab testing on the shoes. I found out exactly what goes into making the shoes that we run in, how to find the right ones for you. And we talked all about the science behind carbon plates and exactly why they make you faster. I think this is so interesting because it's only been the last few years where you've really seen a step up in performance. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact there have been advancements in technology of shoes. And I'm really fascinated to hear what innovation goes into making a shoe faster. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always in the media. Whenever there's a big race, it's all about what shoes they're running in. Um, but also a very topical point for you at the moment because you're in the thick of preparing for a very big race um, with two oceans coming up. Obviously not your usual course because it's A, longer, an ultra, and B, very hilly. So how has that affected your shoe choice? That's a good question because actually my training's been very much like very similar to what I've done for previous marathon blocks. So I'll have three harder days a week, including a long run, and then the rest of the days are easy. So on those easy days, I tend to rotate my shoes just to, you know, not wear down one pair of shoes and also just get a bit of a different stimulus. But those easy day shoes are always something that's cushioned, supportive, and just feels really nice and bouncy, especially, you know, the days after you've been running hard, you want to feel like it's a nice surface and it's gonna you know absorb any fatigue um so yeah they're always super comfy shoes and then session days when I'm running faster I'll wear 
a carbon plated shoe and that will tend to be when I practice my race day shoe as well to make sure that you know I know what it feels like and make sure that it feels fast to me because I think everyone's different you need to find the right shoe for you but that'll be a carbon plated shoe and it gives a good you know return in energy makes you faster it's lightweight and then some of my kind of steadier runs that aren't like super fast I'll wear not the easy day shoe where it's like super like spongy but something a bit more lightweight lightweight but not a carbon plate so it still feels a bit faster but you're not always training in the carbons so I mean to answer your question on if I've changed it for like ultra I'm still trying to work that one out because I feel like with the downhills you need something you're kind of like smashing Mm. your feet into the ground and I'm finding sometimes with the carbon shoes they're not always like super like spongy underneath. They can be quite hard. So it's trying to find the right shoe where it's like fast with a carbon plate, but also is going to absorb that impact on the downhills. Yeah, I think a lot of them are really created for running in a straight flat line yeah. because that is where the fastest marathons, 10Ks yeah. are. Yeah. And that's where they want to see the results. So yeah. it's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to see a bit more stability, I guess, to help with yeah. Help with those. Exactly, skills. it's trying to find the right balance. And then yeah, what about your shoes during the week? Well, I I mean, despite our chat on how good hill training for you is, I haven't implemented any yet. So my shoe rotation has been pretty much what I do for normal marathon training. Um pretty similar to yours actually. I have my workhorse easy day shoes, which are my Magnify 2s, they're just like clouds. They're so comfy yeah. and just really durable. Can put the mileage in and they just last. Um, then I use, I have a, for my, I actually split, I use different carbon shoes for tempo and track sessions. Interesting. Now, I know that's a bit extra, but the carbon shoes I use for tempo runs are the ones that I would race a marathon in so the fast r2s they're great for going in a straight line (laughs) but the high stack on the track i find a little bit unstable so i actually so for example this week i had on off k's on the road and i used the fast r2s and then today i had some 300s on the track and i used my deviate elite twos which are still a carbon shoe but have a bit less foam in so they're a bit I don't think they're quite as fast, but for the track, they're actually better, yeah, more stable, and you can kind of feel the track a bit better. That makes sense. And then for long run, I'm the same as you, I have a middle ground shoe, one that's um, the Deviate 2, which is more durable, but still got, it's actually still got a plate in it. A synthetic um, plate. Yeah. yeah. And well, I th- it's actually a carbon plate, but it's just different foam, so it's a oh, little okay. bit less responsive, but lasts longer and is I don't need to be hitting those places so that's fine Mm -hmm. um so it is quite a big shoe rotation which obviously I realize is a luxury but I personally feel like if I run in diff the the wrong shoe for me I really notice it in both my recovery and like what hurts the next day so I actually find it really important to kind of use the right shoes for the right sessions no it it definitely is a luxury but I think if you can try different shoes over time then you can work out what feels best for you 
because I feel like it's only been in the last year or two where I, for, especially for the easy day shoes, actually, I've worked out which ones feel really nice when my legs are tired mm. because there are some shoes where you still feel you're kind of like slapping the ground. Whereas there are some where I actually feel like you said running on clouds a little bit and the pain in your legs kind of goes away, which is perfect. Yeah. And I guess it probably changes a bit depending on you know, over the years, your body changes, mm. your strength changes, depending on what, you know, you might move up distances and how your foot lands might change a bit. So it actually is probably good to reassess your running shoe collection from time to time and just figure out what actually works. Right. So shall we hear from the expert then? Let's do it. Connor, what do you do here? What's your job at FEMA? Yeah, so I am uh, what's called a product line manager. So I am basically in charge of the full life cycle of a product. Uh, so in this particular situation, my products are running shoes, so performance running footwear. So basically when someone kind of asks me like what I do for a living, I basically say I'm a project manager and my projects are running shoes. Um, so when it comes down to like, yeah, like actually managing a running shoe, I start with like when it's just an idea before it's a shoe all the way till it like meets the consumer in the store. It's kind of basically, that's kind of basically the, the quick gist of it. Wow, yeah. so do you do the design? Are you involved in the materials? What? in every aspect of it. Yep, so definitely involved in every aspect of the shoe, yeah. down to the design, all the way to the way it's marketed, uh, to where the shoe sells, to how much it costs, to how much it costs us to make and everything. Of course, I don't do all of that, but I definitely manage that whole process, basically. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting, it's wow. great. Yeah. There's, I mean, I'd just be interesting yep. to Izzy about the science behind the yep. running shoes yep. and there's just so much to it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's kind of, it's something everyone takes for granted. You know, you go on, obviously I don't now buy my shoes online because yeah. I'm lucky enough to actually <laughs> test them all yeah, and yeah, yeah. understand it. But so many people just click online and, you know, buy a pair of trainers. Yeah. But there's actually so much individuality to it, so much that goes into running shoes. So yeah. take me through that. What goes into, what are all the components to a running shoe? What do you actually focus on in? in building the shoe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So like I said, it's a long process, right? From start to finish to when it's just an idea till where it meets the consumer. But basically it all starts with an idea or like what we call internally here at Puma, a brief. So kind of my job is basically I'll work with, uh, we call it like a pod. So each shoe like is a project and then it gets a pod. So it basically gets uh, one product manager, one designer, the one who actually designs the shoe, like draws the shoe, draws the shapes, picks out the materials, the colors, all that kind of stuff. And then we have a developer, which is actually the person who works with the factory to make sure that the shoe can actually be made in real life. So they'll work with like the actual factory, source the materials, uh, how much each material costs, how much the total shoe will cost us to make and stuff like that. So each shoe kind of gets a pod of everyone at Puma who kind of works on the shoe and it's kind of our baby that we work on together. So it's always a big like team effort between the product managers, the designers and the developers. So it all starts with an idea. So basically I'll come to them with the idea of the shoe that we're looking to put into the market. Uh, so. I'll think of the consumer that it's for, where it's gonna sell, how long it should last, how light it should be, how cushioned it should be. Um, so kind of give all those targets to the designer and really give them a full, like kind of paint the picture of 
who I want the shoe to be for, uh, and then they'll design it. And then it starts just on paper, right? Just like a flat shoe on paper. And we kind of go back and forth going through the design, and then we go into the first sampling phase. Uh, and that's always kind of the first exciting phase when you actually get to see the shoe in person. What's the yeah. hardest bit to get right on the shoe? Is it, you know, looking at this, you've got like, the upper is obviously a very lightweight material, the foam, the carbon plate through it. What takes the most time? and the most innovation? The most innovation is definitely the foam. I would say that's the most innovation, especially now. I would yeah. say that's like the most difficult part to get right and the difficult part to get it right for what you want it to do, I would say. Mm. Uh, but then I actually, so personally for me, the hardest part is the material, like actually the upper material, like the material that's on the shoe. Because like the foam, I feel like, I ha I because I've been I'm a lifelong runner, so I've been running for so long. I know exactly how I want the shoe to feel for what I want it to do for the runner. But for the material, like picking them and trying to find out which one is actually going to look good on the shoe and hold the color and hold the shape and be comfortable around the foot and be breathable and all that thing. That's the mm. hardest part for me. So, of course, we have specific like material and color designers that really help us do that, which is amazing. Um, but I would say that's the most personal difficult part, but then definitely the, the most innovative processes around the foam, I would okay. say. Yeah. So the foam, talk me through that. Why is it so challenging from kind of an innovation perspective. How's yeah. it how's it changed in your time here? Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, so I actually, this is my first product management job. This is like being at Puma is my first, I guess, like corporate world job. Um, so for me here, I kind of came on at the time, I would say like when things were getting really innovative. So I kind of got in like right at the time where the super shoes and the super foams were coming to like actual life in the shoes, which was pretty cool. Uh, but what's happening now is the process is turning to what's called super critical. Um, so before foaming was really more like you would basically turn like a liquid kind of into a solid like soft piece of material that you would that would be the midsole of the shoe that would be the foam right okay. but now basically it's all about finding and chemical engineers do all this kind of in the background right they find the right chemical uh, the right like raw material to mix with the right gas they inject together so they'll inject the raw material with a gas in our case the gas is nitrogen uh, and then that turns into a foam and then it's like the process of getting it exactly right to the balance of the amount of like air and space like in between so the amount of like nitrogen in between the materials here uh, and then that's how what you get that's how you get like different softness different responsiveness you can like tweak all the different materials that are in it and the amount that you use in it um, wow, yeah, it's a I very guess. chemical, like it's, it's all chemical engineers and all chemists who kind of work on the background to source those raw materials and kind of mix them together with the different gases yeah. to get to the process of, to just to get to the, to the midsole of the shoe itself. And yeah. are, how different are foams between different brands? Is this, so Puma Nitro, yeah. is that unique to Puma? Yeah, it is. Do yeah. other brands use different different yeah foams? other brands use it? different raw materials they use different processes um different you know 
different densities of foam because mm. that's how you can like tweak the different weights of the foam and stuff like that. People use different compounds. It's really is kind of a, a little bit of like an arms race against the other brands, like, right? Like we're racing against the other brands to find the next best raw material that's going to deliver the best energy return for you, the best cushion for you and stuff like that too. So how'd you do that? It's all sourcing, really. Uh, so, you know, of course, everyone's paying attention to what everyone is doing, right? So we test every competitor shoe. I'm sure the competitors are testing Pumas. If they're not, they should. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's all basically everyone kind of working together, working with different material suppliers. Sometimes you can look at different industries, right? Like you can look at like what the space industry is doing, look at the water industry, what are the materials are they using and stuff like that. So you can use different like look at different industries and use see what materials they're using that are innovative and then see if they can be turned into a foam or a rubber or anything. That's such an interesting way of yeah. doing it. I was actually, yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about that in, in the context of a different business, but it's basically saying for innovation, you can't just look at what your competitors are doing because yeah. you're going to just keep making the same thing. Exactly. You've actually yeah. got to think outside the box and think what, what are other industries doing and what can you take from that? So yeah. that's so interesting that you said yeah. exactly that. Yeah, it's interesting. For example, like if you look at like a sport like uh, cycling right yeah. now, like the cycling innovation is, is crazy. It's probably one of the most innovative sports out there because there's so many things you can change to become faster. But mm. like if you look at what the tires on a bike used to be 20 years ago, they were like skinny. And, and they used to pump them up really, really high. Now, if you look at what all the top riders are riding, they're fat, fatter tires that are actually softer, very similar to the shoes. The shoes used to be very, it, it, the only thing anyone ever used to care about with footwear was weight. The lighter weight the shoe, the better it's gonna be. But now it's like, what's the balance between all the cushion we can give you and try to keep it lightweight and responsive. So it's very similar to the bike tires, right? Like the shoes are getting bigger and bigger and more cushion and more cushion and same thing with those tires. So if you look at, you can see the things in different sports and different kind of uh, industries kind of following each other almost. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah why did, because it wasn't that long ago that everyone was really into minimalist shoes and yeah. the race shoes were really minimalist. Exactly, so why, yeah. Now, is it better to have the highest stack possible? Yeah, it's all about, I think it's all about recovery, right? Like the, the more you can protect the body from the pounding that you're putting it through when you're running, you know, 100 miles a week or running a marathon at a really fast pace, you're putting a lot of pounding and a lot of, you know, force onto your body and into the ground. So the more you can protect your body from that force. And then also the more you can harness the energy and get the energy you're putting into the ground back, the faster you're gonna be. Yeah. So it's, it's, of course, it's about the weight that you're carrying on your footwear, but also if you're putting a bunch of force in the ground and you're able to get in, the sh the, in this shoe's case, 93% of that energy that you're putting in back, like think that's about all the, all the energy, that's only 7% energy lost. That's, that's, that will adds up a lot over the course of a marathon, yeah. you know? Wow, and yeah. how much of that, do you know how much of that comes from the carbon plate? Because I've, <clears throat> and the foam, because I feel like a lot of people talk about the carbon plates, but the foam yeah. is actually a bit forgotten. Yeah, I would say the foam is actually more important than the carbon wow. plate, and carbon plates have actually been used in shoes like in footwear longer than the super critical, like really cushion, really lightweight foams. Because mm -hmm. if you look at like, 
track athletes, they've had carbon plates in their spikes for a long time now. Like there's been carbon plates in sprinter spikes and 400 meter guys and stuff like that. So it's really the combination of the two. Um, okay. So the carbon plate basically allows you to harness more energy out of the foam. So it also, it works as a, it like helps you evenly compress the foam more so that you can get more energy out of it. It also stiffens up the foam and stiffens up the shoe more because the, the foams now of course are softer than they were in past yeah. days. And then also the carbon plate stiffens the muscles and in your feet and in your lower legs and it shifts the load up to the stronger muscles. So like your upper leg muscles, like your hamstrings, your quads, and your glutes are a lot stronger than your calves and your feet. So the carbon plate stiffens all of that and sends the load up to the stronger muscles so you can use more, like the wear your stronger better with the shoes. So it's all kind of a combination of each yeah. other, like coming together and kind of this like perfect recipe to make you faster, basically. So if we're, yeah. if we're saving more energy, if we're recovering mm -hmm. better in carbon shoes, yeah. should we wear them all the time? <laughs> That's a good question. I'll say no. Um, definitely not. You definitely, I also think that that's why it's important to have a strong shoe rotation uh, is because you don't always want to be loading those muscles all the time, right? You want to, it's, it's good to be a 360 athlete. It's why you do cross training. It's why you do go in the weight room and do strength and stuff like that. Uh, it's definitely, they definitely allow, and I mean, you can probably tell me better than I can tell you, the carbon shoes have definitely allowed you to maybe train harder do yeah. longer long runs, harder long runs, but then also you do need to, you know, balance that out with easy recovery runs in softer shoes without the plate to allow kind of those muscles to rest and to kind of adapt differently. Um, actually, it's interesting that you say that. So we work a lot with Puma Japan um, and they actually have told us that some of the coaches who are coaching like the younger athletes in Japan are not allowing them to use carbon shoes all the time because they're young and they're still developing and they want them to develop strong feet and strong lower leg muscles. And they'll like kind of through maybe like a certain training camp only not use carbon shoes and then slowly introduce the carbon shoes to them like as they're getting into their racing season and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of seeing that. Yeah. So you still want to be able to build up those muscles. Is there, is there anything in using only using carbon shoes on race day in terms of could you get more benefit because you're not used to them? Is there any science behind that or there, is that yeah. purely psychological? Because I know a lot of people yeah. who I speak to yeah, do yeah. say, yeah. oh, I don't train in carbon, then I get the boost on race day. Yeah, there is no science behind no. that. I, I, I mean, I, in my case I would say that's mostly probably mental yeah um, but I think there definitely is like it's all a balance right like mm -hmm. I do think uh, you you would especially in the case of a marathon your your you your legs need to know what they're up against right yeah. like that's the hardest part about doing a marathon is just making it to the finish feeling strong in your legs mm -hmm. really like most if you train hard enough most all of us can get through a, a marathon like aerobically right you start to really break down in your legs so your legs need to be ready for what they're going to go through so if you never train in your carbon shoes and then go and just rip a marathon in the carbon shoes like your legs are going to be like whoa i'm not used to this you know yeah. and it's going to be a different load because the way that they treat your legs so i think it definitely is important to mix them in to your training but no need to be in them all 
all the time by any means. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about injuries? Because I think there are two schools of thought here. Mm -hmm. Some people are say yeah. carbon shoes, you know, better for recovery, as you said. Yeah. yeah. Saves your legs. They prevent injuries. Some people are saying, yeah. okay, carbon shoes cause injuries. Yeah. Don't run in them. What's your view? <laughs> oh, I mean, injuries are so personal, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think I have a stronger view, a strong view on that. I, it, it could be the case that if you've never run in a carbon shoe before, and then you went and did something drastic in your training with a carbon shoe, you could definitely feel something or, or tweak a muscle or feel something that you've never felt before because of the way it's changing your stride, because it is going to change the way you run and you do need to learn how to run with them a little bit. Mm. So I think there could be case, but mostly injury comes from weakness or from doing something too much too soon or something like that. It's not, it's never really coming down specifically to the footwear. It's usually personal or something, you know, like that. So no strong view yeah. on that, but they definitely can help with recovery. And I, I've always been a believer, even before carbon shoes, I was a believer of a strong shoe rotation to kind of change the adaptation of your muscles and stuff like that. So with a shoe yeah. rotation, the other thing I've heard mm -hmm. is you should change your shoes regularly and especially if yep. you're double running because it compresses the foam yeah is that true never yeah. knew if it was marketing spiel or not but. yeah no there is uh, i mean of course we say like there is a durability like think about your shoes like you think about your car right like you put a certain amount of mileage or kilometers on your car you need to change the oil and stuff like that so it's similar like of course we say like maybe a velocity you could put up to 500 miles on it then you should change your shoes there of course is foam we call that deformation that's like that's actually like the scientific term for how much foam compresses and then doesn't come back it's like the deformation of the foam mm. So there is some of that, um, and it could potentially help. I don't necessarily think it would make your shoes last longer or not. They would last longer because you're not running in them every run, okay. not necessarily because the foam is not coming back is kind of more the theory, I guess. Yeah, yeah got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these, yeah. so Velocity 3 mm -hmm. everyday running shoes without yep. carbon plate, about 500 miles. Yeah. What about the race shoes? The ratios, we usually say about half of that distance. Okay. So about up to 250 miles at the max, because of course, with the race shoes, we engineer them to be as lightweight and as fast as possible, right? Like the, we're not, of course, we want them to be durable. They're expensive. Want you to get your investment out of the shoe if you purchase a race day shoe. Uh, but they're also engineered to run your best, right? So we're not necessarily like durability isn't our highest priority on the race day shoes. It's it, it definitely falls down a little bit compared to like how light we want it to be and how fast and how well we want it to perform on race day. So usually we guarantee about like, not necessarily guarantee, but we say about half of what you would get out of your training shoes, you should get out of your race day shoes. And, and it's you, the of course, foam you, that would go. Yeah, the foam and the outsole, like the, the rubber will be thinner, will be lighter weight as well. So, and, and of course, like the, the upper material will be lighter and more breathable as well. So maybe it'll be more, um, could be less durable there as well. But we usually, yeah, we want to, we still want you to get a few marathons out of them because you know people invest good money in a personal best and they should get a couple yeah. a couple races out of it for sure so we all know how important good nutrition is to fuel our running performance but one thing i get asked about a lot is how to fuel training sessions because gels can be quite hard to tolerate and quite hard to get used to especially as a lot of sports nutrition is heavily processed with artificial ingredients not always that great on the stomach but recently we've been trying velo forte and loving it haven't we we have Velo Forte is a natural way to fuel your performance. 
Their gut healthy bars, recovery shakes, and performance enhancing gels and chews are all made from real natural ingredients with no junk and additives. Easier on your stomach and overall better for you. And they taste delicious too. Chef made recipes and so many incredible flavors. There's something for everyone for every activity. Favorite product? My favorite product is the energy bar. Really good straight after a session or on the go. I love this one. This is the recovery shake and oh, they just taste so delicious after a hard training session. Thanks to VeloForte for supporting this podcast. Head to VeloForte.com and get 30% off by entering the code 5MILES at checkout. That's the number 5 and the word MILES. Why yeah. do... So how, how much would these retail at? Something I should probably know as a female athlete. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't buy my trainers, I've got an excuse. <laughs> I know. There are 260 euros. Okay. Yeah. And that is actually, I mean, some of the, some of the carbon-plated shoes now are just insanely expensive yeah yeah i would say that's kind of like middle of the road now like most of yeah. them are around that 250 range some of them get up higher than that or maybe a, a little bit lower but it's crazy why yeah. do they cost so much yeah it's a lot of technology you know it's like th that's our it's our most expensive foam it's got a full carbon plate in it it's our most expensive upper material so for us it also does we invest a lot in the footwear right we invest mm. a lot in the research you know you went in the nitro lab that's all an investment into creating these shoes into creating the the, the best experience for the runner um, so i think it's just the higher the technology it's like anything right the more we put in the the just the more it costs everybody yeah yeah do you yeah. actually is the markup bigger, any bigger on these than the everyday shoe? Or is it just costs you know, yeah, double it's to it's, make it? It's just the balance. Yeah, it's just balancing wow. out. Yeah, it's not necessarily like we're saying, oh, we know people want to buy these because they're going to make them faster or whatever. It's it's literally just the balance of business, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. there is so much science that goes into them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think there was obviously a huge leap forward with the carbon plates? Yeah. Massive jump up in times, well, mm -hmm. jump down in times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the innovation. But yeah. what's what's like the curve looked like since you know? Is there going to be another big leap forward? Do you think, or is it kind of flattening out? I think it's pro. It's definitely we're not. I don't think we're going to see a curve like we've seen in the past five to ten years in a while. Uh, I do think it is going to flatten out a little bit, and I think. I think it's also been a little bit of a perfect storm of everything. Like, I think the shoes are definitely like, like, you know, like you saw today, like you can directly affect running performance with the footwear through the running economy, right? So it is, the, the footwear is absolutely directly affecting performance, but then there's also so many other things that are coming up now that are making people faster, right? Like I also think the shoes are allowing runners to run more, to run further, to run harder, to work out more often. I do think that's part of it. So everyone, not only are the shoes affecting performance, but they're affecting the way people can train, but then also people are training smarter now, right? Like people have access to better coaches, there's Strava. So you can go on Strava and you can look at all the training that all the professional athletes are doing and you can emulate that yourself in your own way. Um, there's access to training logs and social media and everything. And people talk about double threshold and all these different types of workouts and stuff. So I think right now we're actually kind of at this like perfect storm of technology in the footwear, but also training and fueling and everything is also at the best it's ever been. So I think we're kind of in this really cool, perfect storm of everything's coming together at once. And then we also have very 
every, we're just seeing amazing talented athletes across all sports including running and there also i would say it's like skewing younger as well like we're seeing a lot mm. of younger athletes run super fast like though like we can't believe these teenagers are running this fast and stuff like that too so i think it's just it's a movement you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's so interesting isn't it i wonder how much of it is a psychological component components as well like you know, Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile, and right. then everyone starts to do it. Yeah. And then all the times start coming down. There's a lot of talk around the Olympic qualification standards. Yeah. And when they first come out, everyone thinks it's impossible. Yep. You know, only Definitely. in the men's 5K in the UK, you know, only a few people have done it in history. Yeah. And then suddenly the standards set and people start doing it. They start doing it, yeah. And then more and more people yeah. are like, okay, well, if they've done it, I can do it. Exactly. Yeah. So it is, it's such an interesting combination of factors. But obviously, you know, the shoes have advanced so much yeah. that inevitably that has to be such a big component yeah, to, exactly. to the times coming down. I think yeah. especially over something like the marathon because so much of it is how much you can endure the fatigue. Yeah. And recover <laughs> yeah, from and it. Yeah, recover from it. Yeah. And get through it. But yeah. So for the everyday runner, mm -hmm. how... How do you choose shoes? How different are they, and what what can you look for? Say if you're buying, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't, if you're not really fixed to a certain brand, yeah. certain style, you just want to try a whole load of things. Like, how do you find out what works for you? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I would say is definitely go to like your local running store. That's always the number one thing I'm going to say. That's what my background is from, kind of like local running store, uh, run specialty. So definitely go to like your local runs, run shop. There you're going to like meet other people who run. They're going to have staff that know about the shoes. They're going to have a great selection of running shoes. Uh, and there you can kind of get ed educated on the landscape and get like a bunch of different options. People can watch you run. They can look at your stride. They can look at your foot strike pattern and all that kind of stuff and really help you select a shoe based on what you need because I think that's the biggest thing like your shoe favorite shoe might be different from my favorite shoe or my needs in my foot strike might be different from yours of course right so I think that's the number one thing is definitely to go to a local running store meet the local running community and work with the staff to kind of find the right shoe that's best for you um, but then also like you can get away with doing a lot with just one pair of shoes right like so I think if you just find a shoe, and I always say you should choose the shoe that when you put it on and go for a run, you don't think about. That's the shoe you want. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And do all of your sessions in that if. Yeah. If you want. Of course. To. Yeah. yeah. And then if you find yourself really enjoying the experience and the process of running, and then you kind of want to try something different, or you feel like, oh, I need a, you know, I see these people and these other like maybe racing shoes or training shoes that are helping them with their sessions, then that's when you start to like branch out and dabble a little bit more in different shoes for different usages, right? Because we make, um, you know, we make the race day shoes that are specific for marathon racing, but then we also have something like the velocity that's like your do it all trainer. And then we also have the forever run, which is the shoe that's more stable, right? So if you're someone who needs more stability in your foot strike and in your stride, you would go with forever run instead of going with velocity. So there, that's how, you can kind of choose your shoe based on your needs. So number one, it's based on usage. So what are you going to be doing in the shoe? How much are you going to run? Where? Um, and then the other thing would be like, what type of runner are you? Do you need something more stable? Do you need something more cushioned? And it's also just comes down to like personal preference, right? Like what do you find comfortable underneath your foot? Because some people 
you know, everything's trending up to more cushion, but some people don't want more cushion or don't like more cushion. It just feels bad to them. It doesn't make their legs feel good. They want to be closer to the ground. So it also just comes down to personal preference. So it's nice to be able to try different levels like that, levels of cushion, different types of shoes and different types of brands as well. Cause you know, you never know if a Puma could work for you or not. Uh, How do you know if you need stability or? That would be where you would figure that out like with the local running staff or whatever. Like if you had um, some like overpronation, you know, like the term pronation. So if you had yeah. some like overpronation, maybe you would want some more stability in your shoe to help like kind of guide, guide your foot against that. Yeah. When yeah. you're telling me all of this, I'm just thinking it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. How many people just go online? And I used to do that all the time. Yeah. I used to go online and just buy a pair of running yeah, shoes. Yeah. yeah. And it would normally be, you know, the ones that are on sale. Yeah. Or yeah. Or the ones that look nice. Yeah. The ones that look yeah. nice. And yeah. now I know all the science to it. I'm like, no. It's, yeah. No. It's so important to get the right one. Yeah. It'll make a huge you're... difference. Like I have people ask me all the time, like, oh, I don't know how, like, you like running, like. Like I hate to run. Like I, I'm always never feel good when I run. And the first, of course, I'm a shoe guy, so of course yeah. it's the first question I ask. But I'm like, oh, so like, what are you running in? Like, what shoes do you have? Where did you get them? And I ask like all these questions. Then I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, like you need to go to a store. You need to talk to somebody. Try on all the different shoes because that's also the cool thing about going to a store is you can try so many things on, yeah. right, and kind of get the experience. So. Yeah, it is. And it's the same with running in really worn out shoes. So many of my friends running yeah, in started battered shoes. And yeah. I'm like, no wonder your feet are hurting and you're not enjoying it. Yeah, yeah you got to replace them. <laughs> yeah, you got to invest. Yeah. What about different models? So mm -hmm. going back to buying online, yeah. I used to buy everything from the sale. Okay. Not the latest model. How much actually changes? Should we be getting the next model? <clears throat> Obviously, if you can, and if you're invested and happy to invest in your running, yeah. like how much difference does it make yeah uh of course it depends from shoe to shoe um but we try to always make the upgrades right so like when we find like you know i talked about uh all the innovation behind the foam and behind you know materials and stuff like that so if we find something new that's lighter but still just as cushioned or something that's more cushioned and but still lighter weight or something that's more durable we're going to put it in the next one so we actually are always like relentlessly trying to improve the next one um, and we do listen to feedback as well like we have a huge wear test program we listen to the athlete feedback we read reviews online and we send shoes to reviewers who review shoes so we also listen to the feedback right so if there was something about the velocity two that you didn't like hopefully we fixed it in the three and then now you'll like the three right like so mm -hmm. we do so i i would say there are some cases where definitely like you can you can get away like if you have a shoe you like and it's worked for you and you just and you happen to come by a sale like like go for it get the sale if you like the shoe like why not pick up another one because i know runners are also creatures of habit right like, this shoe worked for me i got to get this one again um so then we also know that so like I also don't want to change a shoe too much uh, because then I'll, if, if there's a shoe that runners really love and there hasn't been any bad reviews on it or it's sold really well and people are coming back and buying more, it's like, okay, we're going to stay really consistent. So I think that's actually one of the goals of Puma and running now is, you know, previously before we've kind of, especially when it comes to distance running, like 
we've always been in track and field. We have a very rich heritage in track and field and have always been consistent there. But when it comes to like distance running and creating running shoes for the everyday running consumer, Puma's been a little in and a little out, little in and out for the past 75 years. But now we're all in and we're, we're gonna be consistent. And what you expect from one shoe to the next should be consistent or just slight upgrades that are just gonna improve your experience. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's definitely been my experience since since I signed you. Right. The first couple of shoes were quite different. They were big upgrades. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now it is slightly more, you know, marginal. marginal. Like having said yeah. that, my tests in the lab <laughs> were exciting. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. the next model, which we're not allowed to name, yeah. was a... Uh, Okay, yeah, really that's cool really results. exciting. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. So when you look at something like race day innovation, right? Yeah. Like that's where we're going to push more because like that's that's the difference for you being on the Olympic team or not, right? Yeah. And that's important to us as a brand. It's important to you. But with the everyday shoes, you're going to see less of that because it's more about consistency, kind of building the franchise, mm. building the trust with the consumers that they can come back and get the next velocity or get the next deviate and still be in love with their shoe. Because runners build that real relationship yeah. with their shoe, right? Uh, so you're gonna see more upgrades in things like race day because we're really just pushing the envelope for the athletes and trying to, to make everybody as fast as possible, even the everyday consumer. But then with the regular running shoes, you're gonna see like a little bit, maybe just more consistency and more kind of, uh, just slow but sure improvements to just make the shoe just improve your experience, yeah. How far ahead of you? How far ahead of the, <laughs> the curve are you in yeah. terms of um, I mean, about design. two years, like you saw today, we were showing you some shoes that won't come out until 2025 and which stuff like that, crazy. which is crazy. Yeah, so we always work in the very deep in the future and do plenty of you know wear testing and, and get gather feedback and make small improvements here and there. But yeah, we're usually about like two years to 18 months uh, so it takes in the future. two years to test and perfect a running shoe. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. It must be in a way frustrating to have that and not be able to get it out there, especially when you've got competitors. Yeah. You always want to be ahead of brands. Mm -hmm. And if you know you've got something that's ahead of other brands, then you want to get it out there, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can be a frustrating process. Uh, usually it's it's not that way. Like usually, that usually we're on pretty good timing. There are some cases where we will realize that and we'll make a quicker change or, or do some things within the brand to push to get it to the consumer sooner because we know it'll make a difference or get it to the athletes sooner because we know it could make a difference uh, kind of in their career or in, or in their next race. So we will do that in some cases to really push the boundaries. But, but yeah, it can be tough to be kind of on that cadence of like, okay, here we go. Here's my next idea for the shoe. Like, <laughs> and I have to wait two years until someone can experience it. It can be, yeah, it can be frustrating, but it's all just part of the process. You know, nothing, no, nothing can happen fast. Uh, I mean, it's all about making sure it's up to the right standards. So the quality standards, the performance standards, uh, and then also just giving time for production and stuff like that. And also it takes time to, um, you know, almost, it takes time to onboard everyone at Puma, right? Like we're, we're a global brand. We meet with uh, all of the regions around the globe a couple times a year and show them all the new shoes and educate them on the technology and, and the seasonal stories and the marketing and the, all the different concepts. So we also, as a brand, like 
you, you need time to slowly build everything out, everything from just the concept of the shoe all the way to how it's marketed, you know, photo shoots, capture the content, all that stuff. So there's a lot of moving parts that kind of go into like the shoe actually being in the store and like seeing it online and being marketed to you and stuff like that. Yeah. The behind the scenes is just fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Just so much that we take for granted that yeah. goes into, you know, just one shoe and then you make so many other shoes in so many different sports and then Afrel it's just yeah. so many cogs in the machine. Yeah, there's a lot. Shoe innovation. So mm -hmm. obviously some of it is limited with in in relation to the ratios mm -hmm. with world athletics rules. Yeah. If they didn't exist, what would the fastest shoe, if you could design <laughs> the fastest shoe ever, what would it look like? That's a very good question. Man, what would it look like? It would probably look crazier than this. <laughs> okay. That would be my guess. Uh, I don't know. It's really, that's a hard one. It would be... Carbon plates, let's start with that. It would probably have more than one carbon plate. Okay. That would be my guess. It would maybe have more than one. Uh, and it would also, the foam would maybe, maybe be higher, maybe not, because the, you know, if you just add more foam, it just gets heavier. And then, you know, you got to kind of balance that. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. It would be, it would look crazy, but I, I, I'm not sure. That's a good question. We have some concepts that we like work through and sometimes we talk about like, what's the, uh, like, you know, what's the shoe that's like breaking the rules? Like, what's the rule breaker? Because the rules don't matter to everyone. They matter yeah. to you. Uh, and of course, they, they matter to world athletics and they matter to the, the kind of uh, like the they matter to the the core of the sport, like the pureness of the yeah. sport, like they definitely matter, uh, but they don't matter to everyone. Like there's people who could just go run a marathon in any shoe they wanted and World Athletics isn't going to come knocking on their door well, right. <laughs> asking, and hey, would you run in yeah. today to get your PR? So there is definitely, we do think about that. Like we're like, ooh, like what's like the crazy innovation that we could put out there for like the regular person just so they can have like a fun and exciting like experience outside of what world athletics tells us where we need to be um so we do think about it and that you know it's not maybe not necessarily my job to think about it but i do get excited about it yeah. you know and like i think there could be there definitely is a future from the brands in that space i think like that's a that's a space that like we talk about that we want to it's almost like a playground space for the brands right like we don't have to be constrained by those rules all the time we can play outside of them and kind of go for it and even if you do that you can influence what you're doing here right you could maybe learn something that you could put into a shoe that would be under the world athletics rules just by playing outside the lines kind of thing and getting creative yeah i yeah. would be so excited to see that <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I mean, it would be fun to run in it, obviously not in a race. Yeah. But yeah. just to experience, you know, how, how fast can you go in a shoe? I know. Yeah, it would be fun. Connor, thanks yeah. so much. That's been yeah. so interesting learning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely. The science and technology. I'm just mind blown by how much goes into it. Yeah. And I'm definitely wow. going, you know, I, I already came from a place of understanding a lot of what goes into my shoes, but yeah. 
I think now I've got like a whole new level of appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to experience like what it's like to actually like put on the mask and get on the treadmill and test everything, which is like, that's what we do on a daily basis with runners of all different abilities. But to be able to have you come in and kind of experience that is also is also a great experience for us, but also for you. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome to, to collaborate, right? And to be part of the science for, for yourself and see how it's going to affect your results. So, Definitely. And I think so. going, obviously, I know, I know the carbon shoes work mm -hmm. because I've raced and trained in them for right. several years. But I think having that science to really back it up and know exactly how much they improve my efficiency yep. is mentally so helpful going into a race. And yeah. I, I know I've yeah. got these shoes that are going to make me go fast. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a huge confidence boost. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you.